Hey everybody, this is Don Newman and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. Uh, this is the show that is all about how you and I can learn how to live a life that continues to live on after our own lifetime has ended. How we can leave a legacy that lasts for generations to come. I'm so excited about today's show because today we're going to talk about relationships and how important relationships are. One of the things I learned early from several mentors that were part of my life is that uh, the person you are tomorrow really is the sum total of the books that you've read, the people that you've surrounded your life with, and the choices that you've made. And I've found that to be true in my own life in many, many different ways. And so we're really going to focus today on that middle section, the people that you surround your life with, the relationships and the difference that can make. I'm so excited because today my guest is Dr. Bob Mitchell, pastor of Idlewild Community Presbyterian Church in Southern California. Uh, he's the author of a very unique and special book that I'm excited about, The Giant David Couldn't Kill. Now there's a title for you, The Giant David Couldn't Kill, Why You Need, Why you need Others to Build an Epic Life. Dr. Bob, how are you doing today? You know what? Other than having to look at your face, I'm doing great. Thanks, Don. <laughs> you know, Don and I, we just mess around with each other a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Things are, things are doing really well, though. Awesome. Awesome. Things in Southern California, how are they there? Um, the weather is Southern California. It's yeah. absolutely spectacular. Uh, Idlewild is in the mountains. Uh, and so we, it's cooler than other parts of Southern California, uh, but we're surrounded by trees, blue skies. Uh, so if, if you can't worship and love God here, you, you got a, you got a major problem. You've got a problem. I've, I've been to Southern California twice and, uh, it's true. Uh, both times I was like, it, this weather is handmade by God. It's just, yeah, it is. It, it really is. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so good to see you. And I'm so excited about today. And, you know, uh, the time you and I spent uh, back, uh, you know, in March, uh, February, March, uh, we got a lot of time to be able to talk, mm -hmm. uh, not just about your book, but talk about relationships and talk about, you know, how those impact people. And I tell you, I came away with so much just from that time. And obviously your book has, uh, has been an influence in my life, just like I shared earlier. Uh, you know, before we really kind of get in and talk about different relationships and things like that, uh, just kind of share your heart on what you have learned about the value of relationships and why it's so important to understand that we need different relationships to become the person we're meant to become. Yeah, yeah. Um, growing up uh, and how God has wired me is I'm, I'm a real, uh, not a relational person generally. Uh, I'm very task oriented. I, I, that's my wiring and that's my personality. Um, but growing up, even as a young boy, I really wanted to, to be a pastor. I, I've always wanted to be a pastor since I was a little boy. Uh, but I focused on the, the task of getting to know God. And so for the first, well, gosh, uh, two thirds of my life, uh, my task was to really figure this vertical relationship out with God and, and the idea of the horizontal relationships, uh, not so much. Uh, but then through a series of circumstances uh, that kind of really led up to uh, me meeting the, my, my wife of now 38 years, 
Um, she says from the very beginning, relationships are the most important thing in life, period. And I thought initially, yeah, 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 right. Uh, you know, but she's right. She's absolutely right. And so, I mean, when it comes to like mentoring in terms of relationships, you know, I, I've got I've got a wife who will not leave me um, uh, incomplete in terms of uh, just <laughs> a task-oriented life. No, my life has been so much enriched by her involvement uh, and kind of like kicking, you know, dragging me, kicking and screaming into a, a life of really valuing and, and studying relationships and their value in our life. Wow. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think about my own wife and uh, what a, a tremendous gift she is in my life. But uh, I think about the person that I was prior to marriage and uh, congratulations on 38 years. I'm on 36. Okay. Uh, and uh, I look and, you know, I forgot who said it. Um, and it was so funny when they said it, they said the reason God created marriage was to kill us. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and you think about that truth. Uh, I often think about people that, you know, are eager to, man, I, I want to follow Christ. I want to take up the cross and follow Christ. And, and they're looking for some country to visit or some great task to take on as that would be the way that you would do that. Not that God doesn't call us to do those things, but how many times does the change, that cross of change come in our relationships, especially in our marriage and in our family? Hmm. Yeah, I can remember when I was in um, uh, first year in college, uh, during the summer, I worked at a Christian camp. And at this camp, we, would, uh, we were together 14 hours a day, six days a week. And at, near the end of the summer, they had a little exercise where they put everybody in a circle. Uh, and we would uh, have one person be on the hot seat. And we'd say, okay, what, we're, everybody's going to go around the circle and tell them the best thing they like about you. Uh, and then they went around the circle again and said, okay, now this is the thing that we found the most difficult about you. And when it came my turn, they said, oh, man, the energy that you bring to this team uh, and the creativity, uh, it's just off the charts. That, that's the good thing. But we've worked with you for all this summer, very intense, and none of us have a clue as to who you really are. And I'm like, oh, it, it clobbered me because I thought, you know, these were, these were my friends. Well, they actually were my friends and they were just trying to, to bring me more into a, a, a relational world that I was really ill-equipped at the time for. Anyway, God just continued to, to hammer on me until, you know, the, it's a continual growth like you're talking about. Yeah. I like to think it's like these relationships are like the artists that all have brushes that are adding to who we're becoming. And, um, you know, as, as we'll talk in a minute about your book and the amazing way that you broke that out, there, there's even difficult relationships that yeah. are part of who we become and, you know, add to that. Uh, I thought of this a little earlier and, you know, I know we talked about some things we want to talk about, but I see so many leaders that, um, you know, get to the top and they don't have any friendships. Right. Uh, what do you, why do you think that is? Um, you know, personalities, a, a lot of leaders that really get at or near the top are very task-oriented people, very focused, very intense people. And, and they, they really don't have the creation of relational circles as a part of what 
they need to do as a part of the, the, uh, the arrows in their quiver. Uh, and so they neglect that. And in neglecting that, it comes back to haunt you because you can't live that kind of a life, in, at least in Christian leadership for sure, uh, without, without having other people kind of being um, those who, you, you likened it to painters, uh, painting brush. I likened it to woodworkers with 36 grit sandpaper. Relationships are just like sandpaper where God is trying to, to, to you know, um, sand off some pretty rough edges. Uh, and we need all kinds of different people in, in our lives to be able to, to do that. No, I, I, I so agree. It, there's many times it, it, it does feel like sandpaper. And, oh, yeah. You know, but that, that's the helpful thing. That's, you know, that's what I love about talking about these things because some might think that they're wrong or, or something must be wrong with me because I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing this when all along God may be polishing you and creating something beautiful. Yep, I, yeah, absolutely. That's your to become. No, I ask that because... Every time, you know, and I'm not uh, focusing on anybody bringing up a name, it doesn't matter, but, you know, you hear about someone's life ending in disaster or tragedy, a leader, and you hear somebody say, we never even knew right. that he was going through that. We never knew that he felt that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so as I've thought about, you know, your book and and pray for the influence of it to continue, I think if it can help some people realize that all of these relationships are important and they matter and they're all important to becoming like, if, if you, you know, if you look at things differently when you realize maybe God's behind this. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but yeah. in a good way to get me to where I need to go. So I want to talk about your book. I, I, you know, just an amazing book. I mean, you know, every time I've mentioned it, I will get somebody that will ask me and we'll get into that particular chapter uh, but they'll, they'll ask me, they'll go, um, David couldn't kill a giant, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I love that because I'm able to take them to that portion. And, you know, obviously I didn't know that, uh, either. And Mark Batterson didn't realize it, you know, until he had kind of really looked at it. I mean, that was one of the things that intrigued him. And, you know, I know of course he loves you and loves the book and did a great forward for the book and, you know, and, and is a great friend to you and also to me, but, I, I just love the way the book is laid out. And we're going to hit a couple of things, and I'm going to let you share just at the end some things you might want to share. But just give everybody an overview of why you wrote the book and who you wrote it for and, and kind of what, it, what it's about. I'll let you sum it up, and then we'll hit a couple of things. Okay. Um, I'm talking to the, the, the publisher you know, guy, and I, I, n I never wanted to write a book in my life. That was not a part of my bucket list. That was not a part of my task orientation. Uh, I love to preach. I mean, ever, like I said, I, ever since I was a boy, I wanted to, to be a pastor, preach at, at a local church. That's just, that is who I am. And the idea of writing a book is like, no, that, that's for other people, not, not for me. Uh, but about um, five, well, six years ago now, uh, I had an elder take me to lunch. And as a part of that conversation, he just got really serious near the end. And he leaned, leaned into the, to the you know, leaned across the table and said, when are you going to write the book? And I go, what book? He says, when are you going to write the book? And I go, well, he says, you need to write a book. And I looked at him. I said, now, ain't going to happen. Don't, don't want to. Uh, and about 
Two weeks after that, uh, a youth director who was really skilled, he goes, Bob, I really love the, the articles that you write for the, the monthly newsletter. You ought to think about writing a book. And I said, have you been talking to Elder so-and-so? And he goes, no. And so there's two folks, and I thought, okay, is there... And then uh, less than a month later, uh, I had the associate pastor basically come up and say the same thing. And none of them had talked to each other. So I thought, okay, God, you're going to, uh, you're, you're pushing me into a new area. This is way out of my comfort zone. Uh, and so I thought, okay, I, I will write a book. Well, what am I going to write a book about? Well, of all the subjects, and, and at that point, I'd already been preaching for decades, but I, I knew exactly what it was that I was going to write a book about. And it goes all the way back to when I was in seminary. Uh, I, I went to a church that really fed and fueled me spiritually because the church that I was a youth director at was kind of draining me spiritually. Uh, and so I, I would go to the prayer um, meetings on Wednesday night. And this one particular Wednesday night, I was sick. And I really didn't want to go, but I felt like I needed to go just for my soul's good. And so uh, I, I went there, and I went especially to hear from the pastor of that church, Jack Hayford. It uh, was Church on the Way. And uh, so they did the singing, and they did the prayer, and, and I kind of, you know, powered through that because I wasn't feeling that great. And then they get up and they say, okay, well, Pastor Hayford's not here today, uh, tonight, so we're going to have so-and-so, you know, give the message. And I thought, Oh, great. Oh, great. You know, here I am sick. I make the, 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 you know, the effort to come all the way out here and I'm going to, I'm going to hear a B stringer, you know, somebody from the B team, a second stringer. Um, and I can't even remember the guy's name, but he, he got up and he said, okay, tonight I'm going to talk to you about the giant David could not kill. And I have read the Bible multiple times uh, up at that stage in my life. And I, I had no idea that there was a giant he couldn't kill. So I thought, okay, the guy's going to be talking about lust or adultery or something like that. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sick. I make the effort to get out here, and I'm going to be hearing about that. And he goes, no. He says, no, there was a giant David could not kill, a relative of Goliath. Well, now the guy had my interest. And he went on to talk about this story from the scriptures of a giant that David faced later in his life that he could not kill. And if it wasn't for one of David's men, a guy named Abishai coming over and killing the giant on David's behalf, David would have died on the battlefield that day. And then the, the, the pastor started talking about the, he said, you know what I want to take from this is that if you look at the relationship between David and this soldier that saved him, it was a very contentious you know, kind of a relationship. Uh, and it was actually his nephew. The nephew was very different than David, and he went on to describe how different he was. And so the point of the sermon was, we need all kinds of different relationships. And if we don't have them, we're going to get in trouble somewhere down the line. And so he said, you know, if you're a Democrat, you need to be in relationship with Republicans. And if you're black, you need to have, be in relationships with whites and whites with blacks. If you're a man, you better be in a relationship with women and women. You be in a relationship with men, old and young. And he just went down this huge long list. Uh, and, and I was so sick that I didn't take any notes on that sermon. And I love to listen to sermons. Uh, I probably, I think I've calculated, I've listened to over 10,000 sermons in my life. Wow. That's wow. the one sermon 
I can remember better than any other sermon. And so I drove back home and thought, you know what? I just heard a sermon about relationships. And I hate relationship sermons. I hate them. But this one intrigued me. And so it always been in the, in the back of my mind. And so when God said through these three individuals, you need to write a book, that's what I was going to write a book about. So I just kind of looked at David's life and all of the different relationships that he had and what each individual kind of contributed to, to the epic life that David lived. Wow. You know, what's, uh, what's something is that, you know, I always tell people that uh, there's nothing original. You know, right. there, there's something, every book that, uh, that Mark Batterson has written, you know, every one of those has his own stories and has his own take, but something was deposited in his life that, mm-hmm. that put him on that journey. Likewise, your book, and, you know, you're just sharing that, my book, you know, there are other people, you know, you could probably read in uh, my first book, Respond Up, uh, a little bit of John Maxwell because mm-hmm. was such an influence on my life with his books, you know, that came through. So uh, incredible book that I think is so timely. I want to talk about a couple of the chapters and really, you know, the chapter, the, what you just shared is uh, chapter two, David and the other giant, the one he could not kill. Yeah. Uh, the principle. Yeah. I love that you have relationship principles with each one of the chapters and the relationship principle on this one is why, uh, we all need, or we need blind spot killers. Uh, just kind of, you know, share, you know, from that story, uh, that principle, because I, I was so intrigued that, you know, here's this blind spot. And like you said, if he wouldn't have been there, everything would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. David fought. Uh, we all know that he killed Goliath. David was a young man when he did that, that kind of vaulted him into national prominence. And then that gets the jealousy of the king. And so he's a fugitive for well over 10 years. Uh, At the end of that time, the king dies and David assumes the throne. Uh, And at that point, David, everything was just up and to the right on on his charts. Uh, And David had never lost a battle ever in his life. And uh, so later in his life, uh, one of uh, Goliath's relatives, uh, a giant named Ishbi Binab. I love that. Ishbi Binab. Go ahead and name your, have, have your daughter name their kids, you know, Ishbi, Ishbi Binab. Okay. Um, so he, he goes into battle and he's thinking, I'll be able to, to get this guy just like all of the others. Uh, he had no idea that he was a lot older and uh, not quite as uh, sharp as he used to be. Uh, and so he was going to lose because he was um, older and just not able. Uh, and so other people were just saying, David, from this point onward, no more battles. You can't, you, you, your giant fighting days are over. Uh, and David, had, he went into that battle with a blind spot. Um, he came out realizing that other people were telling him, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And we, we need those blind spot killers, people who will step into our lives and kind of give us some hard news sometimes. Like, you know what? You think you're really good at this. Uh, you're not really. Or you used to be great at this. You're not as great anymore. And, and these are people that really love us and they want to help us, you know, come up to a, our current reality. But yeah. we need people like that. No, I agree. I, there, I, I have a, a practical illustration 
of this that as I was reading that chapter and, and kind of taking it in, I, I immediately thought of, uh, I was on a trip uh, one, uh, several years ago uh, to Wales, Great Britain. And uh, we were at a grocery store, me and another guy that was part of uh, the leadership team, kind of uh, my, my wingman on this trip of, of, of dealing with a lot of people or taking a lot of people on a ministry trip. And we were just at the grocery store and uh, we started to cross the street and uh, I naturally looked to the left, uh-huh. stepped out and he grabbed me by the shirt and yanked me back. Yep. And it, it made me mad. At, you know, like the instant reaction was, what are you doing? I mean, I think he even tore a button or something. But as he pulled me back, a car zoomed by only two feet away that was doing about 45 or, or plus miles per hour would have killed me or, yeah. or seriously injured me. But, you know, that was a blind spot, something yeah. I couldn't see. And, you know, the way that he grabbed me may have been uncomfortable and I didn't like it, but I needed it. Right. I needed somebody to step in and, and do that. So, uh, you know, you're thankful for those type of relationships. I, I, I think about, you know, as, as a lot of business people, you know, I try to speak to uh, through this uh, show and through the many things I, I'm doing. And, you know, I, I think of business leaders that, that need somebody that will go in and close the door and tell them the truth rather than let them blindly move ahead, knowing that's going to lead to disaster. So, that is a, that's a very intriguing point. And I think, you know, I know the whole book goes into all these different relationships, but I think that is a very big key that a lot of people, you know, need to realize, you know, appreciate those people. They may grab your shirt sometimes, but yeah. if they're doing it with the right heart and they're there to protect you, appreciate them very much. Uh, another chapter that I, I really loved and I wanted you to kind of expand on was chapter seven, where it talks about David and Abigail. You know, I love that the relationship principle, uh, you say an ideal godsend and a godsend for ideals. And the relationship principle is we need those who remind us of our identity. Tell, tell that story and talk about that principle. Yeah, I love, Abigail is my, is my favorite woman of the Bible. I, I think she gets underplayed in terms of uh, the emphasis. Uh, she's an, an absolutely stunning um, example of what God can do through someone. Uh, the conversation that she has with David is longer than anybody's conversation with David, period. So there's a lot that, that's going on there. David was um, in, in an era of his life where he, his relationship with God uh, was, re- the wheels were getting a little bit wobbly. It was near the end of his fugitive stage where he's, he'd been on the run for for. Uh, 10, 12 years. Uh, And there's someone who insulted him. And so he was just going to kill that man and all of the the men associated with him. And the man who insulted David was married to this Abigail. Well, she's an exceedingly wise woman. And she knows that, hey, if you insult David, he's got the wherewithal to to kill you. And so she took it on herself um, to uh, try to find David before David uh, kills her husband and, and all of the men uh, in, in, her, uh, in her tribe. And uh, I look at this woman and she was, she was a looker. She, the, the, the Bible says she was, she was 10. She, the, Bible, <laughs> the Bible says, it's like, 
whoo, she's, she's a hottie, big time, okay? This woman alone faces David and 400 of his men, this testosterone-charged guys that, that were ready for battle. And you just think of the, this, the risk that she took uh, facing these 400 guys all by herself. Uh, and the conversation that she has with David, she says, David, now you have the capacity to kill all of the men of, of my, my tribe, my husband and, and my family and all. You have that capacity, but I've heard about you and I've heard that God has a calling on your life. And if you do this, kill everybody, you're going to really regret it later down the road. And I heard that you killed a giant one day, you know, and, uh, you know, and so uh, that was noble. What you're about to do, it, it is not noble. And so I'm just reminding you of the ideals that God planted in your life. And she was the ideal person to talk about David's ideals. And so it, it really goes both ways. And David uh, after hearing Abigail, he's going, what was I thinking? Oh, woman, you just, you just saved me heartache down the road, and you saved your husband's life. Uh, and so she's just absolutely ideal for, for, to say, David, you really need to remember the calling of God on your life and what it really means and how to live that out. Wow. It's such a powerful concept. How, you know, I can think of a couple things, but like if you're looking in a modern day situation, you know, how do you, uh, you know, how do you see that working in someone's life today? Uh, you know, obviously he was going to, you know, destroy everybody, but, you know, I think about identity and I think about, you know, we, we, we live up to the identity that we believe about ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and so my takeaway from that is look, sometimes I need to get out of the moment and go back and remember, who I am and who I'm called to be, because that's going to, that's going to make decisions for me. Uh, right. how, how have you seen that play out in people's lives? I mean, your years in ministry and such. Yeah. A, a lot of times, um, God, God puts a call in someone's life and then a lot of life happens. Uh, and, and you just sort of allow that, that calling to get on the, the back burner and then sometimes just off of the stove altogether. And every once in a while, someone, God will put someone in your life that will say, you know, I think I remember you talking about this call, or, or is there something um, that God wants you to do? I had, I had breakfast with a fellow in the church uh, some years ago. And as a part of that conversation, he's a man in his 50s, and he was currently um, uh, heading up a construction crew. Uh, and as a part of that conversation, he told me that he wanted to be a pastor. And uh, as a young man, he even went to Bible school, you know, about two, two years and then life happens. And then he sort of got out of that track and then, you know, got into law enforcement and then into uh, construction. And, and, but he said, I always felt like I was missing out on something. Hmm. And so I said, well, why don't you go into seminary? Why don't you, why don't you complete your education and go into ministry? He goes, well, I'm in my fifties. I said, so, and it's like no one had given him permission to even consider going into ministry. And uh, so he thought, wow, let me, let me think on that one for a while. Comes back to me about uh, three weeks later and says, you know what? I signed up for school. 
he, he completed his bachelor's and then he went to seminary. Uh, and then his first call of a, of a little church, uh, he said, Pastor Bob, I, I would not be doing this if it wasn't for you. And he pastored that church for probably about four years. Uh, and then I got a call from him. He said, I want to take you to Rubio's. It's a, a Mexican, American Mexican place uh, here uh, on the West Coast. And he knows it was one of my favorite places. And so as a part of that conversation, he goes, Bob, I just got a call to a church that's about 350 people. And I would not be entering that ministry call if, it, if you hadn't just been that person in my life to remind me of a, of a call and just give me permission that I could pursue it later in life. And he said, I, I just want to thank you. I'm even going to pay your lunch. I said, hey, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Anyway, that's one, one way that it's worked out uh, in my ministry. That, that's an awesome story. I, you know, as I think about Abigail and I think about the Abigails that I've had in my life, I mean, you know, my, my wife has been that. Yeah, big yeah, time. I mean, yeah, you know, great. has brought my feet back to the ground, reminded me, you know, where I started and get back on track. Um, but the big challenge that came to me personally, because I, I love to encourage people. I love to build people. I mean, and so I look at that and I go, I, I call it being a DR. And uh, a DR is a destiny reminder. Hmm. And, and I think about the people that are around me that, again, not just trying to blow smoke or, you know, just say whatever to make people feel good, but uh, to say things that help people navigate back to their true north or, you know, mm -hmm. to the, the plan that they had. And, and it takes a reminder, you know, it takes a reminder to do that. And so just in that one little encounter, that's what I love about the book, uh, Dr. Bob. I, I love that it could be one encounter, one moment that's mm -hmm. lost in all the genealogy or lost in the major story, but it's significant. And that's the, that's, to me, that's the power of God's word is that it is full of principles we could never in our own lifetime dig everything out, you know, yeah. that, that is buried in there. Okay. Last one I want to talk about, and then I'll let you talk about end with maybe one that you want to hit is uh, we talked about the giant David couldn't kill. Let's talk about it. I believe it's uh, chapter nine, the giant he could kill. Yeah. This, this is the flannel graph uh, that I did learn uh, when I was a kid in Sunday school, uh, right. David and Goliath and chapter nine is, uh, David and Goliath, the relationship principle is we need on rare occasion to step away from our relationships in order to step into our calling. Man, dig into that one. I want to hear you explain that one. Yeah. Um, in that chapter, I got an opportunity to introduce people uh, just briefly to a woman named Barbara. Uh, Barbara was a member of the congregation that I pastored, and she was uh, in her 90s. Uh, she had gone, she was a British uh, a war bride, uh, married an American airman and came over to America as a result. But she, uh, she would tell me about being in England during the early days of the Second World War uh, and, uh, and the relationship between uh, Winston Churchill and Adolf Hitler. Uh, and, and Winston Churchill had to step away from a lot of people saying, you know, we just need to, to uh, somehow placate Hitler. And, and Churchill knew, he knew in his, in his gut that that would never happen. 
And so even though other people weren't saying it, he said, this nation needs to go to war. Uh, and there's sometimes when you just can't listen to other people around you, you really have to just say, this is it. For David, uh, he was a young man. All he was doing was bringing some food to his brothers who were a part of uh, the army that was facing Goliath. And when, and no one was willing to fight Goliath. Uh, and so when David expressed some interest in saying, you know what, let me explore this, his brothers got on to him and saying, you, you go back to your sheep, you know, you, you little twerp. Um, you're just nothing but an errand boy here, you know, sending some food to us. Uh, but th so David did not listen to them. He didn't listen to King Saul, who said, well, okay, I'll let, you know, you can go fight him, but here, use my armor. And David tried it on. He goes, no, it can't do it. So he doesn't listen to his brothers. He doesn't listen to the king. He just goes with, with, with his training and with his gut and his relationship with God. And we know the end of the story. So sometimes it's, it's rare, but sometimes you need to step away from every relationship except the relationship with God because God's telling you to do something that's different than what everyone else is telling you to do. And you just have to go with God. So that it, it, it doesn't happen very often, but on rare occasion, that's, that's what you've got to do. Yeah. There are those occasions where uh, you're going against the flow and, yeah. um, and that's what God's calling you to do. Well, I love, uh, you know, all of the different chapters. There's so much we could talk about, but let, let's kind of end with, you know, what's your favorite part in there? I know you like Abigail, but what, what's the part that, that really sticks out to you that if you could talk about one thing? Um, can I talk about the, the forward? I mean, that's, my, that's one of my favorite yeah. parts. When you just say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Uh, it took me four and a half years to do this because I was pastoring a, a, a challenging church at the time. Uh, and, but I, I was going to stay consistent. Near the end of writing that manuscript, I thought, I don't know what to do with it because I, I had no ambitions to be an author. I had no idea what to do. And then someone reminded me that a person in my congregation had a niece who was the uh, personal administrative assistant to Mark Batterson, the national um, author. And so I thought, well, what if I asked this person, can you ask your niece, can I, can I get just 15 minutes with Mark Batterson? Just, just ask him, what, to, what do you do with the manuscript? And, uh, and so they made that call, uh, and the response was, okay, in five months, Mark Batterson will give you 45 minutes. So it gave me five more months to, to kind of, you know, polish the manuscript and, and to prepare. Uh, and that was one of the greatest delights of my life, is just like meeting Mark Batterson. And there was a kindred spirit because his first book, uh, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day takes a little snippet from David's life uh, and the, or, or from someone who knew David, Benaiah, uh, and he just wrote a whole book about it. And so th this book uh, kind of takes along that same line to take just a small portion of the scripture as sort of the springboard to jump off and, and um, uh, write an entire book about it and learn uh, ideas. And there were all kinds of things in this book that Mark Batterson, who wrote a book about David, had no idea. So it was just, uh, it was fun, you know, to have uh, two pastors, two authors, you know, just kind of going back and forth. And it's just, whenever you say yes to God, 
in an area that's uncomfortable for you because it's put me out of my comfort zone. It just opened up all kinds of uh, opportunities uh, that I just say, God, you're amazing. You're wonderful. So yeah, part of my favorite thing would be the forward. And Mark Batterson said, I'll read the manuscript. He read it and he said, I got to write a forward to this one. So it's like, go figure on that one. Go figure. That's God's awesome. Good. That's yeah. awesome. Well, it was a pleasure being a part of it and helping you, you know, publish it, uh, you know, really only the, uh, you know, second uh, book with uh, 302 Books, which is an imprint that uh, that we have that Respond Up was the first book with. And so very proud to be part of it. And I just can't tell you how great it is to talk to you. I'm thinking I've got to do these Zoom meetings with you so that I can get some encouragement and, and, and talk about these things because uh, this has been so beneficial to me just to go back through and, and hear it again uh, on some of the same things that we talked about when you were here in Florida. So what is next for Dr. Bob? Dr. Bob is absolutely, he is the recipient of God's amazing leadership and guidance uh, in terms of my life. I stepped away from a church where I'd been a pastor about 30 years into a whole new uh, role of pastoring in a very different kind of a context. Uh, and everything about this new church has been wonderful. And so I'm just, I'm just enjoying uh, the favor and the grace of God. And, and I'm saying, okay, God, uh, at least I'm open now, a lot more open than I was the first time I wrote a book. It's like, God, if there's something that you prompt me for, for number two, let's go for it. And Mark Batterson was the one who said, you got to get to know Don Newman. Uh, and so, and that has been one of the, 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 the that encouragement, that street goes both ways, friend. Uh, I, every time you and I get together uh, uh, through phone or through video or in person, I always walk away encouraged. You're awesome. That's, that's great. Well, I feel the same way about you. And of course, Mark, when he reached out to me, you know, uh, I was just so excited to, to hear about the book and, but it's led to so much more. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, John Maxwell said, you know, writing books is like golf. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Uh, so I can share, uh, you know, from my own vantage point, now working on book number three on prayer, uh, book number two, don't just speak it, write it, uh, was much easier than book number one because I, I was familiar with it. So uh, let's, let, let, let's do some more books together, okay? Sounds great. Sounds great, Don. That's awesome. Well, I can't thank uh, you enough for being on here today. And uh, uh, at the end of the broadcast, we're going to put up some information on where they can go and uh, order your book. And uh, of course, available in bookstores, they can be ordered in are from Amazon and Barnes and Noble, both in uh, ebook format and also in paperback. Uh, we'll put that up and put some other contact information up so that people can get in touch with you so people can get a hold of this book and learn some relationship principles. I can't thank you enough, Dr. Rob. Well, God bless you, Don. It's been a joy to not just talk with you, but be in a relationship with you. That's awesome. Well, everyone, I'm so glad you got to tune in today and hear from my good friend and author and pastor, uh, Dr. Bob Mitchell. Uh, we're going to put up information on his ministry, uh, contact information, and also for his book here. And uh, just encourage you to get a copy of his book 
and uh, dig into it. Find the relationships that uh, you're current, currently looking to grow in or you're experiencing and find the value in those relationships. I enjoyed today and I'm so glad that you tuned in and you got a chance to hear how you can build relationships. Until we talk again, I'm praying that the ripples you create today will become the waves of the future and that you will go on and live a life worth remembering. God bless you.